Mike Storm, and together we aim to solve cybersecurity challenges one principle at a time. The only way to be unhackable is to outwit the attacker. Deception is the method. Knowledge of how to deceive is the means. Taking your security personally is the motivation. This is Unhackable, your security podcast about deception and personal security. Target acquired. Let's go. Hey, Unhackable fans, welcome to this Unhackable minicast about protecting your credit. Of all the things we want to protect and make difficult to steal, our identity seems to be, for many of you out there, the topic of greatest concern. And part of protecting your identity is certainly protecting your credit. This can be the ultimate target for a bad actor as it yields the most instant financial power. But what does that actually mean? Well, it's best to start with what identity theft is and what the effect can be for someone who has actually had their identity stolen. The industry standard definition of identity theft states that ID theft happens when someone steals your personal information to commit fraud. Now, compared to 15 or 20 years ago, when most identity theft was a physical targeted act, someone specifically targeting another person to commit fraud by obtaining personal information through things like mail theft, dumpster diving, phone impersonation, and other manual activities like these, nowadays, most of the identity theft process is executed digitally using automation and credential theft and can be bought and sold for a profit. Generalizing here, it is actually a very profitable business to sell stolen identities to others that intend to commit fraudulent acts, and most of the stolen identity information is bought and sold with Bitcoin on the dark web or darknet. The dark web, in case you're interested, is actually part of the deep web, which is classified as the private part of the internet not seen by Google and other search engines. This deep web equates to about 90% of the total internet. While the rest of what you see is the surface web or clear web, this is what we're used to using. Basically, the dark side is up to nine times the size of the internet that we use every day. So keep that in mind. Now, with personal information like social security number, birth dates, location info, addresses, and so on, and through the information that's available publicly and on social media, the identity thief can use this information to apply for credit, file taxes, even get medical services in your name. That's why we always suggest that PII, or personally identifiable information, never be posted to social media, as you're making a bad actor's job even easier by doing so. But on the impact side of identity theft, credit fraud and tax fraud are both very popular because they can be executed by simply having a few parameters that include things like social security number and birth date. Sometimes mother's maiden name and other factors are used by creditors, but ID thieves can find ways to get this information as well. In fact, there have been tools available for many years that troll through public and social media information, systematically putting together ready-to-sell identity packages. Some of these full identity packages for an existing individual can be bought and sold on the dark web for just a few dollars. And this is a testament to the amount of credential theft that has taken place over the years. And then combined with public information and social media, a usable profile for fraud can easily be created. And for a few dollars in Bitcoin, you could become a victim. The biggest difference today is that ID theft may not be as targeted. Now, this is good and bad. Since digital identities are sold in mass, that means that maybe the likelihood that you are targeted as an individual is less. But that doesn't necessarily equate to lower risk for you. You always have to think that you could become a target. If you're doing some of your own searching, you could contrast stolen digital identities of existing people to new identity profiles. This is widely available through Google searching. 
And these types of new identities are normally used to either become or pretend to be a new person. And believe it or not, these new identities only cost about $1,500 in Bitcoin, U.S. and Europe. But individual elements like bank accounts, passports, PayPal accounts, birth certificates, and so on can be purchased with Bitcoin for prices of $2 for a social security card to $700 for a full-blown passport. Usable credit card numbers from stolen identities or even through algorithmic calculation could actually be purchased in blocks for about $40 each, and they even have a money-back guarantee in some cases. Absolutely mind-blowing what's going on in the dark web. At the end of the day, though, almost all of this is outside of our control. How bad actors do this and why they do it is less important than actually protecting access to the target of the process, normally your credit files and or banking financial information. We must remember that digital identities are stolen for financial gain 99% of the time. Thus, our finances are critical. Bank information, investment accounts like 401k, and so on. But what many folks don't think about checking every day like you would your bank accounts is what happens with your credit if it's compromised. We talked about ways to make bank information harder to steal in a previous minicast episode. This time, we want to focus on locking down our credit. A bad actor looking to take over your identity can spend time cleaning out your bank and potentially get caught quickly, and you will be in most cases fully reimbursed because it's insured. But they're limited by how much money you actually have, so the payoff may not be nearly as great as the buying power that you may have with your credit, if your credit is good. Using tools and tribal knowledge that they can download allows them to instead learn enough about you to be able to apply for credit in your name. Much harder to track, normally not reimbursed, and nearly impossible for you to recover from in many cases. You see, banks don't care who opened the loan, only that they've extended credit of some kind and they want to be paid. Financial institutions typically do not simply excuse a loan because it was created via a fraudulent act, and you can imagine what would happen to your financial situation if the debt isn't paid, directly affecting your credit, of course. It can cost tens of thousands of dollars to recover from a fraudulent debt, if it can be done at all. This is what some of those pay services for identity protection are that you've likely heard of, kind of what they're all about as far as executing first some key protection tactics and then giving you a guarantee of, say, a million dollars in recovery fees if your identity happens to be stolen while using their service and your credit is compromised. And it's kind of a toss-up whether or not paying that insurance, if you will, every single day is truly worth it. Because much of the process these services charge to automate is actually free to the consumer and can be executed with very little effort. So with that in mind, let's discuss some tactics that you can use to protect your credit. Tactic number one, freeze your credit files. Now, this process prevents creditors both from gaining access to your credit report and also from anyone opening new accounts. This process is easy and free in the United States and many other countries. The only difficult thing is that you must do it once per bureau. Each credit bureau has its own system, which I will tell you is slightly different, but in no way difficult to understand. The terminology is very consistent. But I will say that having your password manager set up, as we discussed in Unhackable, episode one, the authentication principle, will help tremendously both to generate the random password when you set it up, as well as to remember it down the road when you want to create a new credit account, have your credit card extended by a house or whatever it is. We simply just don't check our credit as often as we check our bank. And so it's very easy to forget a password that you might have chosen and this is where those password managers really come in handy. Now, there are really two unique capabilities here. 
Credit freeze and credit lock. Credit freeze and credit lock are slightly different with credit freeze always being completely free and also supported by laws to prevent fraud. Credit lock provides a similar access restriction overall, but is sometimes charged for as part of an identity management subscription, such as a good example from Experian in the U.S., they offer both freeze for free and credit lock as part of their identity management tools. Initially, when credit freeze became a thing when it was first created, thawing a credit freeze, meaning opening it up for a period of time for a creditor to check it, could actually take up to a few business days. And this was a problem for the purposes of trying to get uh, credit checks for a new loan and so forth. But today, the process can be executed with a thaw and refreeze inside of the same day. So it's very convenient. Very easy to go online, identify exactly when you would like it to be thawed and when you would like it to be refrozen automatically. With all three services in the U.S. specifically, you can even identify which creditors are allowed to view your file, which is really nice. But remember, when you need new credit extended, you must somehow remove the freeze or choose to thaw it long enough for the creditor to view that file and then reinstate it immediately after. The security freeze process is supported by the Protecting Your Credit Score Act of 2020 by the U.S. Congress. This is actually a good read if you want more information about how the credit agencies are supposed to be protecting your information, as well as your rights as a U.S. citizen for protecting yourself from fraud. We used to use what was called a fraud alert in each credit bureau, which automatically subjected your credit file to additional scrutiny for a three-month period. Well, that meant that you would have to remember to reinstate the alert again once it expired, but it effectively had the same results as a credit freeze or credit lock. But laws have since been created that give citizens the right to have their credit files frozen indefinitely for free and is now much easier to execute with no fraud justifications required. Credit freeze is considered a significant proactive measure of protection, where instead, the reactive measures we used to use in the past with fraud alerts were not nearly as complete or supported by law. Tactic number two, safeguard your PII. Specifically in the U.S., the social security number, this is the number one. There is no requirement whatsoever for this number to be used on any form outside of employment and taxes. And it does not have to be filled in on any other documents like medical. You can completely leave this blank. Um, this is something that you should execute. One of the best kept secrets that I found is the creation of what's called a My Social Security account on SSA.gov. Now, this account is created to provide additional security capabilities, protections, and checks against your social security number. And I would highly suggest creating this as soon as you can before someone creates one in your name with their own info, as not a lot of people know about this option. This option not only protects your social security record for down the road when you actually need access to those funds, but it does provide those additional security checks. This allows you to block electronic access to your social security record from both telephone and electronic means, which adds additional scrutiny to both requests and inquiries. This account is especially helpful if your social security information is ever compromised, since they will also have a much more complete history of all of the access and usage to be able to track down a compromise. For worldwide support, just about every country has a unique number assigned to its citizens that's similar to social security number, and I would highly suggest exploring the capabilities of your home country for suggestions on protecting this number from compromise and what can be done if it ever is. Tactic number three, monitor your credit. 
wow, what a concept. This can be done manually or with an automated service. The credit bureaus provide both free and paid for services in the U.S. depending upon how much monitoring you want. Personally, ID Notify is one of my favorite options for monitoring many of the elements of my identity and is typically offered both by credit bureaus and also tax preparation systems if you prepare your taxes online. And this is really added as part of your membership. There's also paid for identity monitoring services that you can use, but just a note that some of these services can get quite expensive to do many of the things that you can do yourself for free. The fact that you can get full credit reports every few months to check and verify the contents is a really good idea. If your credit is frozen, the likelihood that someone has opened new accounts without your knowledge is definitely much lower, but it's still a good idea to check often. Personally, I use my credit score as a means of keeping myself up to date. I do like to have a good credit score and checking it often forces me to not only continuously monitor my own credit files for mistakes, but also helps to tune my own practices for better financial results, secure logins, and of course, keeping up to date with new options available that might pop up to make my personal finance security even stronger. And you would see these, of course, on those sites as you're checking your credit. The other thing I recommend if you have kids, monitor your kids' credit if they're under 18. There's also an option to freeze credit. As a parent, you're entitled to child credit monitoring without breaking any laws, and it's always a good idea to make sure no one has used social media or other public information to target one of your kids. Now, the last thing I'm going to call out isn't really a tactic, just more of a practice. Try and be clean with your habits online and not make it easier for identity thieves to take advantage. We call it cyber hygiene. Watch what you and your kids post on social media. Never post personally identifiable information there. Use MFA wherever it's supported and be cautious of what you click on. Keep your systems and applications, especially browsers, patched with the latest security patches. And don't forget your smartphone browser. Many of these practices are described in detail in previous episodes of Unhackable and will provide more guidance on good cyber hygiene and behaviors. Age-old tactics like shredding documents with a crosscut shredder and not throwing away mail can eliminate dumpster diving and some of the old methods of targeted ID theft. Our social security number and bank accounts are just a few of the PII components we want to protect. Birth date, addresses, even email addresses are also values you want to safeguard wherever possible. Remember that we can never underestimate what attackers can do with our information. I was once told that just having a birth date, a current address, and a mother's maiden name was enough to steal an identity, with the credit file being the ultimate target. While I can't confirm that that's true, I have to assume that it probably is. Cut off the target altogether with the tactics described to ensure that the credit file target remains locked down. While we can never be completely unhackable, we can increase our awareness of the attacker's capabilities and motivations so we can learn to deceive them by changing our digital behaviors and implementing cybersecurity best practices to make us a harder target and, of course, ultimately make our information harder to steal. In the infamous words of Sun Tzu, the greatest victory is that which requires no fighting. I hope that you find these techniques useful on Unhackable, solving cybersecurity challenges with grit, one principle at a time. This is Mike Storm, and until next time, this is Unhackable. Thanks for listening.